Thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. Our City of Miami Fire Rescue is about to celebrate 125 years in action serving the public, saving people's lives, saving buildings, and so much more that the fire rescue does, the fire department does, that a lot of us don't even know about. So there's going to be a big celebration on Saturday the 15th, and I'm very happy to welcome Lieutenant Pete Sanchez, Public Information Officer for the City of Miami Fire Rescue, to tell us all about it. Good morning, Pete. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me, and a big, big hello to all our listeners out there. And all of your rescuees and all of your fans. I mean, firefighters are pretty much universally loved and admired, and it's really a difficult job. Can you give us an idea? We're talking 125 years. How are things different from 125 years ago to now? Well, it's actually interesting. I mean, we're so humbled and blessed to be able to celebrate 125 years of serving the public, which is why we get into this profession. And the changes in these decades has just been incredible. You know, it all started back in 1896 when a few businessmen had lost everything in the city of Miami because of several fires that went on for two years. And it basically devastated what was mostly all wood frame businesses, buildings, constructions, and there was no fire service. So a few businessmen got together and developed what was the first volunteer fire department. And that was just with a horse-drawn carriage and water buckets. Oh and gosh. now, yeah, now we've advanced to 125 years later, where now our city of Miami Fire Department has 16 fire stations. I mean, we have hazmat specialties, technical rescue. We also have SWAT medics. We have a plethora of things now that we are able to serve. We're a class one fire department and all hazards fire department where we serve the city of Miami now. And the advances have just been tremendous. I mean, but we did a lot of firsts. We were the first to be able to contact on a two-way radio. We were the first departments uh, to train our first paramedics, actually, believe it or not, and communicate also with doctors at the hospital. So we've been the pioneers of a lot of things. And that makes it so special for us because we've come a long, long way. I mean, with uh, Gus and Harry, which were two horses that were the ones that would pull the trucks uh, to the fires to now, you know, all the equipment in the state of the art things that we have. We have a fire boat. We have a dive operations team. I mean, we have our own training center where we train our firefighters once we hire them in a six month grueling process, believe it or not, then since you mentioned, you know, how difficult it is to become a firefighter. I do believe it because I was looking at the because Become a Miami firefighter on your website, which is MiamiGov.com. And just looking at the physical ability test, and that comes after you've got your EMT certification, you have to guarantee you're a non-smoker. There's a background check. You have to be of good moral character. And I love just seeing those words. You know, you don't hear that so often anymore. And then the test itself, stair climbing, charged hose pull test, forcible entry and ventilation test, fire extinguishing and rescue simulation, dry hose drag, hose bundle carry. And I know this is not like your typical garden hose we're carrying, right? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, these are the hoses that we take into a structure when there's a potential of a fire or a fire, whether it's on a single family home or a high rise, which, you know, we have many of those in the city of Miami. And these are just the entry level requirements. You go through a six month training period where you're put to the test day in and day out, whether it's your physical ability in running in distances or carrying things or being able to to scale uh, many, many steps. Because remember, like I mentioned, having high rises here, if there's an incident 
at the top floor of a high rise, there's a chance we may have to climb those stairs and you have over a hundred pounds of gear on you. So we need to be sure that, that you're ready to be able to perform this because by the time you get up there, if you're tired, then you're not serving a purpose to the residents and to the property. So all that's very important. Right. And then you're carrying the gear and then you're going to be carrying people potentially on the way out. So are you carrying both at the same time or do you leave the gear behind while you're carrying a person or is it divided? Certain people carry victims or rescuees and other people keep fighting the fire? Every circumstance is different. Uh, When we have uh, an incident, we have several trucks that arrive and each truck has an objective, whether it be fire attack or search for victims. But even though those firefighters are coming to search for a victim, they're still carrying all that equipment on their back, the air packs, the bunker gear, their tools to be able to force entry into a door if they need to get to you. So yes, there's many different objectives at a scene, but they're all serving more or less the same purpose, which is, you know, save lives and and protect property. And we are accepting applications now that you mentioned it. So we urge the public, if you are a fire EMT, to go on the City of Miami website and look up how to become a firefighter because we'll be accepting applications coming up soon to hire a new class to join our family. And one of the major changes, of course, in addition to equipment and technology and knowledge is that women can be firefighters, which they could not 125 years ago. We have some of the best female firefighters in our department, I'd like to say. Uh, We have chiefs of ours that are firefighter females, and they do a tremendous job. They're highly respected. Um, They're one of our own. That's why it's firefighters, not firemen or firewomen. So we love to see when we have more women applying to the department because they're they're an essential part of what we do here. Okay, so MiamiGov.com, you can do a quick search for fire rescue and you'll find the application. I think it's on the homepage anyway. Yeah, link to apply to become a firefighter. So if that's been your dream, now is the time. And if you want to get a little bit of an idea of what firefighters do, definitely coming up this next Saturday at Regatta Park, it's the 125th birthday celebration right near Monty's in Coconut Grove. And this is a whole free event going from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So there are, of course, events for the whole family, but a lot of this is going to be demonstrations with the firefighters. Can you tell us (laughs) about the competitions and the demonstrations? Absolutely. So we've been planning this for quite some time and wanted to really make it special for the public, you know, because we've been serving them for 125 years. And that's what it's all about. It's to serve the public and to serve a greater good. And now we want to give back again and offer the public come and spend a day with us and see what we do. So we put together a day of celebration. It's at Regatta Park right next to City Hall, about 3500 Pan American Drive. And we'll be there from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Saturday the 15th. And you can come and meet your firefighters that come serve you and respond to calls. But we also figured, hey, let's put together some competitions, some friendly competition amongst stations. And the public can come and see. So they'll have like best suppression teams where they're going to be manipulating fire hose. They're going to have old-fashioned bucket brigades. They're going to have potentially tug of war also. So you'll see these firefighters in their gear. It's going to be a little combat challenge area right in the middle of the park. I mean, we have so many things for the eye to see that day and for the children, especially because we know that they love the big red fire trucks and everything we're going to have. So we're going to have bounce houses. There'll be food trucks. We're going to have a stage with music. There's going to be a car fire prop. So the car actually will be on fire and they'll be able to see how firefighters extinguish it. And then we're also going to have a nice cadre of our state-of-the-art trucks where whether it be for the urban search and rescue team or command vehicles, 
vehicles. We'll have our hazardous material vehicle there, fire engines and the big ladder trucks as well, so that everyone, not only the children, but everyone can come and see what they look like, sit inside of them. We're also going to have some public education tents where hopefully we'll get a surprise visit from Sparky the Fire Dog and <laughs> uh, they'll have goodie bags for the kids. We'll also have our cadet program tent there and credit union and other entities of our department that offer you know services and information to the public. So we plan to have a whole day full of uh, fun and activities. Our fire boat will also be there since Regatta Park is on the water. So we expect to have a beautiful, beautiful day. Hopefully the weather permits. I mean, we have tents and backup plans. We also have hydration stations because uh, the heat has been <laughs> unbearable uh-huh. lately. So we'll definitely have hydration stations for the families when they're out there enjoying the day with us. Okay, I'm still hung up on this old-fashioned bucket brigade. Is this where you have just a line of people and they're passing buckets of water one to the next to the next to reach the destination? Correct. Yeah. So basically you said it perfectly and that's kind of, they're going to have a simulated area doing that where they'll be simulating and pouring the water into a certain area. And then, you know, it'll be timed to see who has the best time because that's how it used to be uh, before anything else. And the advances are amazing now. Now we have uh, aerial ladders, we have booster nozzles, we have different size hoses, depending on where we're going to be fighting fire, we bring that hose. So the advances have come a long way in just a short period because 125 years is a long time. Uh But the advances we have made since then to me, is is a lot more than the time itself. Yeah, and everything speeds up. So it's like in, you know, probably 70 years, it was pretty slow. And then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. We learn one bit of new scientific news and then that becomes a new discovery and a new discovery. And, you know, I'm thinking you must also have to learn about the causes of fires, all of the uh, physics in a fire and where it's safe to open a door and how the air can make the fire worse, how to cover your face and cover the rescuee's face to keep from smoke inhalation, and even down to someone recognizing if it's arson versus a naturally started fire. Right. So like you said, with time, everything advances. And it's not only your typical wood frame structures now. Now you're dealing with plastics and fiberglasses, different types of system. Look, now we deal with a lot of electrical vehicle fires. That's something new that we've been training on the last few years, which uh, become a little more challenging to extinguish. It's not your typical old car fire where you pour a lot of water on it or foam and it's put out. A lot of these vehicles, these electric vehicles, they'll still continue burning even after you've extinguished them. So we go training and learning as things advance and we try to stay up to date as much as possible with any situation and everything that we can be confronted with because when you call 911 no matter what the emergency is we're the ones that need to resolve it we can't call anyone else so when you call us we need to come with a solution for you and make sure that we solve that solution how often do you really rescue kittens and ducks <laughs> and and we see these most adorable pictures of firefighters you know saving the most innocent little creatures from the middle of a highway or going down a gutter. How often do you guys really do that? Believe it or not, we do. The, the kittens in the trees, not as often, but we do deal with a lot of ducks and drains or kittens that get stuck inside a motor because they may Aww. be looking warm. <laughs> so we'll get the call and then, you know, we, we'll go out there and, and it's always a nice ending when we can help them out and 
the, like you said, they're the most vulnerable creatures that really are just trying to live in our habitat or we're living in their habitat. Right. And, uh, but yeah, we get a lot of those calls. Those are actually, you know, the heartfelt calls. We have difficult calls that we deal with as well. I mean, we're coming to you at your worst possible day and we try to serve with the most pride and empathy and empathy to make sure that we get you through this difficult time because no matter what the emergency is, it's your emergency and you're calling us and we're coming to rescue you. So we've always got to be ready. We also have to be sharp. It's a demanding job. You know, our firefighters work 24 hour shifts and they're there. They're there ready to respond to any call at any time. And we're a very busy fire department. I mean, last year or the last few years, we've already gone over 100,000 calls a year. Wow. And we've also grown vertically because, you know, the city hasn't expanded in width, but it's grown vertically with all the high rises you've seen. So there's a lot of high rise training that we have to do. So going back to us staying innovative, we constantly do. We're constantly training, whether it be at the operational level or at the support level. We send our leadership to conferences where they can learn more about behaviors of fire and new things that are causing challenges to fire departments throughout the nation so that we could be most up to date and be prepared to respond to anything. So if the public can do one thing to support you, it would be taking fire prevention steps so that they're not the cause of a fire, which then requires you to come out. What are some of the most important fire prevention steps that the average person can take? They can definitely help us by always having a plan, uh, having a plan at home if something happens. And the most important thing is the smoke detectors. You know, we know sometimes it could be a little bit of a nuisance if the batteries are running low and they continue to beep, but all you need to do is change the battery. But having smoke detectors in your home is the first line of defense that'll help you get out of your house in the event that there is a fire. Um, you may not be able to try to extinguish it yourself, but at least you can get out to a safe area until we respond. You know, we've had issues where people don't have smoke detectors and there's been a fire and they've either been injured or it's been a worse of an outcome because they didn't have any warning. So the smoke detectors in the homes, having a fire extinguisher in the kitchen as well, because a lot of kitchen fires happen when someone's cooking. And always remember that if your pot or pan catches fire, don't ever add water to the grease because that's a basically an accelerant. What you could do is just either safely cover it back up because it'll take away the oxygen from it or with a gloved hand, try to remove it from that hot source, you know. But if it gets too much to handle, then just leave it to us and you can call 911 and we'll obviously respond and try to get that taken care of for you. I can vouch for the grease pan situation because I foolishly did not know. This going back a number of years, didn't know not to put water in a grease pan fire. And I thought I would be clever and make fried Oreos like they have at the fairs these days. And sure oh, yeah. enough, fire started and I put water on it and boom, next thing I know, it's melting my microwave. <laughs> right, right. Well, you, you know, it, it's not foolish. It's something that a lot of people don't know. And that's why I'm glad you asked that question because it'll help inform the public and let them know not to add because it is an accelerant. You're fueling that fire, you know, and fire feeds off of oxygen. And if you're giving it the, like, accelerant, it's just going to increase in size and cause a worse fire than what could have been controlled. So like we said, you could just turn off the burner, put a cover over it, and that'll kill the oxygen to it right away and stop it. But understandably, people panic, they get scared. So the most important thing is not to panic, not to be scared and just try to take control of the situation. And again, if it gets too out of control, then you call us. That is a really important thing. And then, of course, if we're outdoors, I know not nearly as many people smoke as used to, but you always have someone who just throws a cigarette butt out on dry grass, a right. potential fire starter. 
Yeah, or even in the touching on the high rises again. I mean, we're surrounded by them in the city of Miami. Even people that smoke in their balcony, they'll flick the butt of the balcony and then got to remember you have people under you and they might just fall into someone else's balcony. They may have a couch or furniture outside, which we've seen quite often, and that couch catches fire and and then you have a whole fire department responding to a balcony where it's something that could have been avoided. So yeah, that's obviously something else that can be avoided, you know, just minding where you get rid or discard of your cigarette butts and not put them in a trash when you finish smoking because it could start a trash and not flick them out of your balcony or like you said, onto the grass. You know, there's places that are designated for smokers where you can put the butt into an ashtray so that there isn't a fire. Yeah. And it's just, it's really not difficult to just grind it out somewhere or run it underwater to put the butt out completely completely so you don't leave it burning. Right. Well, your best bet is not to smoke either, remember, because well, it's there, Exactly. <laughs> of course, yes. Yeah. That would be number one, and we'll always push that for your own health and the health of your neighbors and those around you. Exactly. So this is going to be an amazing event coming up this next Saturday, July 15th, 11 a.m. start time. It goes till 4, whole family invited, and it's free admission. Yeah, it's free admission. We do have food trucks there. I believe they'll be charging for food, but it's free of entrance to come in, to see the shows, to look at our trucks, to climb into our trucks, to interact with everyone and the music and the bounce houses, all that is free of charge. So we look forward to it and we hope everyone comes out and gets to share this special birthday with us because it's been a long time coming and we serve again with so much pride and we want to give back again to the community and enjoy the day with them. And you get to know your firefighters, like I said, that are responding to your home and to your calls and not only at an emergency situation, but now in an environment where it's controlled, it's fun and everyone is happy and we're in a good mood and we can spend time together. Yeah, great opportunity to meet some real life superheroes, which you are, the originals. And we don't need any CGI, no special effects and no skin tight costumes. Thank you so much for what you have contributed to our community and to the entire fire rescue department at City of Miami, 125 years. And you guys look fantastic, all of you. you. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much. You can find more info. And again, if you're interested in becoming a firefighter, just go to MiamiGov.com, M-I-A-M-I-G-O-V.com. And you can also check our events listing for info about the 125th anniversary celebration at Regatta Park this coming. Saturday. Lieutenant Pete Sanchez, Public Information Officer for the City of Miami. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you there. All right. And joining us now on Community Focus, one of the most amazing women in South Florida doing so much for at-risk girls, Velma Lawrence with Embrace Girls Foundation. Good morning, Velma. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning. Glad to be with you this morning. It is always exciting to talk to you because you always have something going on and you're always reaching bigger and better to do things, not only for your girls, but for the entire community. And what's coming up next Saturday, the 15th, is this amazing water safety event. What made you decide to put together a water safety event? Well, actually, we are coming in with Cox Media Group. Cox Media Group, Miami, maybe just before the pandemic. So I believe it was 2019. Cox Media Group, Miami started the water safety event with TY Park. And they put on a really beautiful water safety event. It went well. I was told by the park that they had over 3,000 people that showed up for the first event. And it was so big that they had to bring in Hollywood police because the traffic was backed up from the park to the expressway, I-95. Right, right. The second year they did it, they had to cap the number of people just, you know, for safety and everything. And so then the pandemic hit. 
And right. so, you know, it stalled during that time. And so the station came back again and said, you know, we want to do it and we, we would love to partner with Embrace. And so that's how I and, and Embrace got involved. You know, we met and they told me about this magical thing that they did with the water safety and, you know, just bringing families together to learn about the awareness of being safe around bodies of water. And that was just really, that resonated with me because just in April, you know, on Good Friday in Dade County, twin brothers uh, uh, drowned. Yeah. And so that just stayed with me. And so when they talked about it, I felt like this is something for the community that we do need to get involved in. Yeah. So we joined. And we are so at risk in South Florida with so many bodies of water that if someone doesn't know how to swim, they're really in danger almost anywhere they go. You know, whether it's a pool or a creek or a lake or the ocean, there are risks everywhere. And it's not that we want people to be scared all the time, but we want them to be educated, know how to swim and understand about safety around water. You said it perfectly, Ellen. It is not just about learning how to swim. Even if you're not a swimmer, you should learn. We all should learn, myself included. We all should learn. We don't have to be, you know, proficient swimmers, but we should know how to get to the end of a pool or, or at least save ourselves or float. So these basic skills, I think that we need to bring awareness to families to just learn how to throw a rope in or how to throw a floater in or, you know, babies can learn to swim at, at the age of six months, not necessarily swim, but float and hold their breaths underwater. So we just need to be more aware. Families need to be more aware of, just like you said, the bodies of water around us and how to protect ourselves and respect that. Respect that. You know what I'm saying? You teach your children how to cross streets. You teach your children to stay out of thunderstorms and lightning. You know, you need to teach them also about water safety. It should be a skills training for children and adults because now we have grandparents taking care of smaller children. And, and, you know, we have the teens out in lakes. So we really must educate everyone about just respecting the water and understanding how to keep themselves safe. Yeah. One of the things I remember learning pre-COVID when we had done the water safety event was talking to a specialist and addressing the task of adults when they're in the vicinity of children near water and how you must always have at least one adult who is on duty, who is assigned to watch. That's their responsibility. No drinking at the moment, no on the phone, just watching the children. Because you turn your head for one second, someone disappears underwater, and you may not ever even realize it. Absolutely. Everyone can't be partying. You know, right. We all can't just be a joy. And, and assuming that, oh, Uncle John is watching, or or no, uh, she, she's with, uh, you know, Aunt Angela. No, everyone has to be responsible or at least someone, just like you said, designated to be assigned to watch the children while they're at play because they're playing. They're not, you know, they're not really paying attention to safety. But here again, if you teach them, these are some troubling things that can happen while you're in the water and be aware of them, then that's education and that helps everyone around the fish. Right. So we'll be getting together at T.Y. Park in Hollywood, just west of 95, Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon. It's at the Lagoon at Castaway Island Water Park. So right off the bat, you know, you're in a fun environment. But we're also bringing in food trucks. There's going to be photo ops with characters, all kinds of fun, friendly family entertainment. And I'm guessing you're bringing your Embrace girls out to learn how to swim. Yes, we're bringing the girls out. But yeah, it's going to be a really great family fun day. That's the part I also like about it. 
We will have the Little Mermaid there. Yay! And we will have Moana there. And I think Superman or Batman or one of those characters will be there. So it's, it's going to be a really great family fun day. We have craft stations where the kids can color and do crafts. And many of the personalities from Cox Media Group Miami will be there. So you'll get to meet some of your favorite air personalities there as well. And that's always really special because people hear your voices on the radio, but then when they see you, it's like, really, they get so excited about that. I didn't picture you like that. I thought you were eight inches taller and blonde. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love to see people just so excited about, you know, meeting you all. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll have some great music, but it's going to, yeah, we have food trucks. It's going to be a really, really great event. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about the educational component. And here again, you're absolutely right. Not only do we serve girls after school in our many programs across the Tri-County area, but we must get involved in what's going on in the community because they and their families are out and about. So, you know, feeding initiatives, water safety, you know, predator issues that deal with human trafficking and all of that, we still have to be, you know, vocal about that as well, because these things are happening around them. They cannot live in a bubble. They must understand. Yeah, I just I really admire how you've taken this small group of, you know, a handful of girls that you were working with after school and turned it into this massive Embrace Girls <laughs> Foundation. And you just keep moving bigger and bigger. And, you know, kudos to you for putting so much time and energy into it. For anyone who doesn't know, would you, I don't know, anyone who's listening to us must know by now what Embrace Girls Foundation does. But if there's someone new listening, let's give them a quick overview of what you do daily with the girls in the schools. So the background of the organization is in 2000, we started an organization. We didn't even understand it to be an organization. There were a group of women at the time I was working in the media field. And I had a lot of girlfriends who were journalists. They were either news producers, anchors, reporters, radio personalities. So I thought, you know, let's go back and mentor. We didn't even use the word mentor then. Just let's go back and, and speak to some girls in inner city communities. Because I grew up in Liberty City, which is an inner city area of Miami-Dade County. And I can't remember, Ellen, and I think I told you this story before. I can't really remember judges and lawyers and doctors and, you know, radio personalities and beauty queens and actresses or, you know, dignitaries coming to our school and saying to us, hey, if you want to be this, this is what you need to do and you can do it. And, you know, just giving us that momentum to want to do more or be more or show us things that we could be. Having a and role so model with, who, who looks like absolutely, you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so because we didn't see that, and the thing that I can remember to this day was Clifford, the big red dog, dog you know, and, and that. And so when you can remember that, think about the other things that little girls and boys could have seen that could have inspired them to be a doctor or a lawyer or uh, whatever it is, a sanitation worker. If they love the sanitation pickup people, they could have been that. And so I didn't see all of that. And so I thought, okay, wow, I have these women that are doing really great things. You know, let's go back. So we went back to my alma mater, which was Poinciana Elementary School. And guess what? We still serve that school today. So we went back to that school, met with the principal. She acquired a group of girls for us to work with. And we didn't want all the girls that were getting all A's and B's and doing great things. We wanted girls, all girls. And so, and I feel that all girls are at risk. You know, don't just look at girls coming from an inner city area of being at risk. All girls in this world are at risk. Because so look true. at what's going on in the world today. Yeah. So she put together a group of girls for us to meet with. 
you know, some of them were in foster care, some of them were very shy, some of them were being bullied, some of them were bullied, and some of them were doing exceptionally well. So we had a really great group to sit and speak with. We got a date, meet with them on a Thursday. We had no classroom. We met under a tree outside. We took out snacks, blankets. I think we had 13 or 14 girls in the beginning. The first day we met, it was a really great session. We just sat and talked to them. And then the next day, Ellen, next week that we met, we had over 30 girls <laughs> waiting at that tree for us. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Was it the snacks or was it the conversation? I think it ended up being both. Yeah. They found a little community. Then we began to learn as we met weekly that some of them had some issues. Either they had attendance issues, they had um, some behavioral issues, and some had issues where academically they were not moving academically well. And that's when we thought, okay, so we could come in and just do a daily after-school program. We hire teachers, and now we're in 13 schools in Dayton, Broward County. It's fantastic. And we serve over 300 girls every single week. Well, we're looking forward to you serving over 3,000 people this coming Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, July 15th. In fact, 300 is like a minimum number we expect because the first 300 people who arrive will get free admission to the park. After that, it's still only $1.50, but either way, you know, there are benefits. And like we've said, there will be so much entertainment and a lot of different fun educational opportunities regarding swimming and swim safety. So we invite everyone. Yes, and you know what else I love, Ellen? Castaways um, Water Park will be open and they are offering a discounted rate for the families to go into the Castaways Water Park. They have really cool slides and it's a beautiful park. So the rate will only be $5.75 per person to get into the water park. So after you come into the swim safety training event from 9 to 12, you can just go right across to the castaways and enjoy the rest of the day there. So it's going to be a really fun family day. And I'm hoping that everyone comes out and takes advantage of all of the opportunities that are free to them as well. Absolutely. We're starting at nine o'clock in the morning before it gets too hot out. We'll go until Mm. noon, bring your sunscreen, and I'm sure we'll have people talking about sun safety as well, because that's just as critical. And then, you know, before we wind up today, I do want to bring up Once again, you have Jeffrey Osborne coming into town for an intimate evening at the casino at Dania Beach. This is the third year in a row that he has come to South Florida for you, for Embrace Girls Foundation. And you talk about being in 13 different schools with all of these girls. That takes money, time, energy. You've got people who assist you with teaching. You put together events. So he's doing this fundraiser for you once again. And I understand it's not until December and it's already almost sold out. <laughs> we, yes, I'm so blessed to say that, that yes, we're almost sold out. The event is Sunday, December 17th at the uh, Dania Casino. And this is his third year coming, Jeffrey Osborne. He has adopted our organization and I'm so happy for that, he has decided to close out the year every year, coming back to serve this intimate evening with series for the Embrace Girls Foundation. So he's bringing with him Evelyn Champagne and Howard yes. Hewitt. Yes. <laughs> so it's going to really be a really fabulous show. We have a lot of surprises for the audience. We have you know sponsors that have donated some key great thing gifts 
you know, because it's the holidays, the Sunday before Christmas. Right. So it's going to be a really great party. Jeffy is very interactive. You know, he's in in the audience more than he's even on the stage. Right. So that's that's what we call it an intimate evening with because people really get to enjoy the show. They're dancing, they're singing. You know, we have for VIP guests a pre-show dinner that starts. And that's also a meet and greet with all of the artists that come in to sit for the five course dinner and meet and greet. Then we move into the show. That runs from 7 o'clock until about 10 o'clock. And so we're really excited, yes. Okay, and tickets, you can find the link at your website, right? Yes, you may. You can go to our website and Cox Media Group's website. Okay, so yes, our website. And I want to give the Embrace Girls website, embracegirlpower.org. One of my favorite phrases, Embrace Girl Power. So make your plans, bring the whole family out. Just six days away now, July 15th, 9 a.m. to noon. That information also on our events listing. And we do want to give a special thanks to our additional sponsors, Bright Star Credit Union, WPLG Local 10, Mitchell and West Personal Injury Firm, and of course, our main sponsor, Embrace Girls Foundation and Velma Lawrence, the annual Embrace Water Safety with Embrace Girls Foundation. We're so happy to be partnering with you again for the benefit and the safety of our community. Velma Lawrence, thank you for what you give to South Florida. Thank you, Alan. Beautifully done. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-1-E, at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus, and have a wonderful day. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.